Well, welcome to uh, Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Air. I'm Jim Grant, and with me today, as always, Eric Whitehead at the controls. Uh, Phil Grant, the editor of Almost Daily Grants. Diagonally, I think is the word. Uh, seated for me diagonally. And directly across is the great Evan Lorenz, deputy editor of Grant's Interest Rate Observer. And we are coming to you from the... Uh, Let's be frank about this. A pretty darn bleak interior conference room, otherwise kind of splendiferous corporate headquarters. I mean, a place uh, is full of like industrial junk. But next to me is the away travel suitcase, about which we hear more later. But listen to this, baby. Ah, that is one solid piece of merchandise sponsored by Away Travel and by ZipRecruiting.com and um, by, I guess, by ourselves, Grant's Interest Rate Observer. So to begin, this is coming to you from the day after July 4th. I don't know about you, but uh, I, I had a pretty swell 4th. Evan, you good? Yep. Great one. Uh, Evan? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And no Phil? complaints. Eric is nodding yes. He had, I think he had a pretty darn good 4th. I did too. And um, the people who did not have a particularly good 4th is the... Uh, editorial staff at the Liberty County Vindicator, community newspaper between Houston and Beaumont, Texas. And the Vindicator had been running, you know, uh, pieces, uh, excerpts from the Declaration of Independence in uh, small daily chunks, it says here. That sounds a little bit like uh, snackable bites of content, that famous, infamous phrase from Sheryl Sandberg of Facebook. Anyway, the Vindicator had been running excerpts from the Declaration of Independence uh, on its Facebook page in the run-up to July 4th. Uh, the ninth excerpt, it says here, was not published owing to the offensive nature of the content. Ah, yeah, offensive. And here's what it says. I mean, Jefferson, I think, and maybe you guys disagree, but I think that Jefferson in the Bill of Particulars against King George III, I think a little bit, uh, he over-egged the pudding. Just my personal. But I think in this one particular instance, I, I, I think he had a point. He, here's what he said. This is apropos of King George III. Quote, he has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions, close quote. Now, Facebook found that to be hateful, hate speech. And I, I, I guess I kind of see it Cheryl's way in this one, because um, think of how it might have been better expressed if Mr. Jefferson had been slightly more woke. Here we go. To bring on to the inhabitants of our frontiers the insensitive and inappropriate touching of our Native American brothers and sisters. Our sisters and brothers. Much better. Uh, much better, yeah. See, with just a little bit of historical revision, we can all get along. Why don't we just go ahead and, and just make those changes ourselves? Yeah, I think we well, we've, we've done that virtually. So that's that's uh, first order of business is to uh, is to thank Facebook for its uh, attention, vigilance, vigilance, and vigilance to our feelings. And I, I don't know about you fellows. I think uh, Eric would agree with this that uh, we are so easily triggered here at Grants that uh, just reading this thing aloud has, has frankly freaked me out. I'm about to take a, a yeah. walk around the block. Yeah. Okay. You do that. It's almost a little ironic because um, this week, one of the states in India, actual Indians, not Native Americans, actually shut down um, the internet because rumors of foreigners coming in and attacking locals incited people to actually lynch a few people. And they actually had to shut down various Facebook services. Yeah, well, that's... So, I mean, Facebook was kind of doing what they... Um... Well, I think what this points to is the need for more fact checkers at Facebook, a little more uh, yeah, we... SGNA, right? Yeah, that's right. I make a few uh, new hires yeah. to really review everything. Maybe uh, we can uh, we can also get some, uh, some full employment 
unemployment here going three point something percent. The unemployment rate is still a little bit high. Anyway, we have we, uh, okay. Enough of this. Enough of the historical revisionism. We have some uh, serious financial business to conduct. Evan, is that not correct? And I think we should lead with uh, a very unfortunate news item having to do with the death, the unexpected death of Wang Jian, co-founder of HNA, the hyper-leveraged uh, and formerly hyper-aggressive, acquisitive. Uh, kind of aviation to finance uh, behemoth in China. I mean, this is company defied description, except for its leverage. It was like big. Yeah, the FT counts $94 billion worth of debt, and that's only what they can count. There might be more kind of hidden under the mattress. You hear about the uh, the death of a highly leveraged and uh, I suppose uh, born upon corporate executive, and you think, uh, you know, suicide or foul play. But I read here in the FT, I have this right at hand, that the deceased was anxious about his longevity, according to one associate, and purchased sets of of expensive furniture made of rare sandalwood in the belief this would help him live longer. Now, that is a misconception. Sandalwood is not going to help you if you're falling out of a uh, off a wall down That's 10 That's a great meters. point. This is not the anti-gravity sandalwood, just plain sandalwood. Expensive to be sure and rare, but still, it's not anti-gravitational no. sandalwood. Anyway, we are left with the um, the unexpected death. Yeah, the, the FT says sudden. I want everyone to know this. I was writing obituaries for a living uh, even before founding grants. That was 140 years ago. And the Joe Moran, obituary editor at the, at the Baltimore Sun, came to me to correct a piece of copy. I had written somebody died suddenly. So he says, Joe says, everybody dies suddenly, right? It's like, yeah. There you go. He died unexpectedly. Is the, unexpectedly is the word you're looking for. Right. Okay. So I never forgot that. So Mr. Wang died unexpectedly, leaving behind, it says here in the headline, a tangled web at HNA. Evan, what is the greater meaning of this for the world's finances? Well, it means something in China. And it means something in the rest of the world. Over the last couple of years, HNA has gone on this massive buying spree, buying just about anything that wasn't nailed down. They are, in fact, the largest shareholder in Deutsche Bank uh, with a 5.5% stake. Um, it had been 10. It had been 10. They, they already sold 9. down. 9.9, yeah. Yeah, they, they already sold down a good chunk of it. But um, they're now four sellers as they're trying to deleverage their balance sheet. And this surely isn't helping Deutsche Bank, which is kind of bouncing along all-time lows. So they're trying to jettison all the assets they'd accumulated in the last two or three years. At the same time, they're rather precariously financed. Uh, that same FT article that you quoted talks about how they borrowed in peer-to-peer -peer markets in China at high interest rates. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. And, and China's regulators have actually cut off that mode of finance. So they now need to sell stuff. The stuff is falling in price. And some of the ways they actually finance themselves are no longer available, which which is a little bit difficult. And uh, Mr. Wang not only was the co-founder, but uh, according to all reports I've read, was the architect of, uh, of H&A and kind of building stuff. And he kind of knew where the bodies were buried and he interacted with the bankers. So his loss is, is pretty meaningful. Yeah, the government is on record, I think, as instructing the banks to cooperate and to finance H&A. Uh, and uh, the article also mentions that um, the banks were told to buy H&A's bonds when they went to issue it. And H&A uh, uh, actually had to lower the amount that it was uh, offering because it didn't, didn't get enough bids. So it, it seems like the banks are perhaps not too happy. Uh, yes. Well, let's, uh, that leaves us let's, so, so much for China, at least for now. But the rocks do seem to be rolling, to borrow a phrase. Yeah, and I think tomorrow, um, we're doing the podcast on Thursday, but on Friday, uh, tariffs actually start kicking in for uh, for China. Right. Okay. So, Evan, what does this have to do with Italy? Directly, not very much. Yeah. Uh, but as we continue our world survey of, uh, of points of pressure and prospective trouble, we uh, turn to Italy, which is, uh, you know, you'd be, you, a few moments ago, Evan, you pointed out that there is some noise emanating from Europe having to do with the expectation that the... European Central Bank will turn slightly stringent 
um, a little earlier than people had reckoned with. Yeah, Mario Draghi promised that uh, no rate rises will happen until at least the end of uh, 2019. Right. A couple of the ECB members are now grumbling, saying, well, we maybe need it like, you know, second right. half of 2019, a little bit earlier. Right. And uh, this perhaps has uh, roiled uh, some of the bond markets of the world. Larry Summers gave a talk at the, was it the European Forum or the ECB Forum, I think on June 19th. And I listened to it yesterday. I'm not sure how you guys beguiled the morning of the 4th, but it's for me. I listened to the YouTube broadcast of Larry Summers' remarks. Uh, I, I think I was the 564th person to do so in the world. And here is what approximately what Larry said. He said, um, uh, he said, uh, here we are at the 10th anniversary approximately of the troubles of 2008. And uh, with the passage of 10 years, how remarkable it is, said Mr. Summers, that uh, so little has been developed in the way of new protocols for central banking. He said, we need some. We can't because, he said, uh, what the world cannot afford and must not have is new recession. He said, uh, when you look back at the 1970s, the damage done by those 10 years, more than 10 years actually, of, uh, of intractable inflation, that damage was, uh, was much less destructive of the social fabric than has been the aftermath of our sorrows of 2008. And he said that uh, in these circumstances that the central bankers and the, uh, the fiscal stewards of the world really have no choice but to let things, as they say, run hot. That was not his phrase. But he said um, an inflation rate, even a lot above 2%, a lot, I guess, meaning 3 or 4%, would be of a tiny price to pay, inconsequential price to pay uh, for the certitude of there being no recession. We can't have a recession. He's got zero tolerance for recession. Okay, so that, that speech, I think, was well-received. Certainly, uh, uh, Larry Summers is one of Mario Draghi's favorites. Uh, certainly, Larry spoke very well of Mario. Uh, in introduction to his remarks, Larry's remarks, and why am I going on like that? It's okay, so what does this mean for Europe? Well, Italy, at least, seems to have been listening or has uh, its own ideas about avoiding a downturn. Evan, you have pointed out that uh, the Italian fiscal program seems to be going ahead full bore under the new regime without regard to the fiscal limitations set by the Maastricht Treaty. Yeah, um, the newly uh, sworn in uh, Five Star Movement and Northern League are delivering on their electoral promises, which is to cut taxes and boost spending. Italy is in Europe the largest debtor. It has 2.3 trillion euros worth of uh, bonds outstanding, more than uh, France, Germany, Spain, or any other country. It has uh, debt to GDP well over 100%. It's the uh, it's it's heavily in hock. So here is a Bloomberg story. I read a couple of paragraphs of it. Uh, I think this is today's. Italy's new government will have both tax cuts and a universal basic income in its very first budget to show financial markets the coalition isn't backing down from its agenda, Finance Minister Giovanni Trio said. The sweeping economic program is aimed at proving to investors that the populist administration is serious about its mission, even after its creation initially rocked Italian bond markets. Basic income for the poor is a measure strongly backed by the Five Star Movement, while governing coalition partner the League promised voters a reduction and simplification of tax brackets. So what do Italian 10-year securities yield at the moment? Like 2.7% and change. So that is uh, 10 or so basis points beneath the American 10-year, no? It is, but it's towering over similar uh, borrowers in Europe. Spain is 1.3%. Portugal is 1.8%. It's uh, uh, getting close to Greece, which is uh, just under 4%. So right now in the European markets, they're kind of rating them somewhere between Spain and Greece. Well, Larry Summers had nothing to say about the adulteration of interest rates and the consequences of that distortion in his remarks. He uh, seemed to think that that was, uh, you know, no, what, what's the 
basketball phrase, no foul, no... No harm, no foul. No harm, no foul, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, in this country, Phil Grant, what's happening to junk bond yields? Well, I just spotted this morning, the Bloomberg Barclays High Yield Index has been moving. The yield to worst on the index uh, has popped up to, a, I guess, a 19-month high, high since uh, November 16, up at a 6.55% um, on, the, on the broad index. That measure was as low as, I guess, about five and a quarter last fall. So basically, this has, you know, has, has sort of round tripped back from, yeah. uh, you know, from the post-election levels. Well, that's a good thing, right? We need, we need yields that uh, reflect credit risk and interest rate risk, no? You'd think so. But if you actually decompose what's happening in high yield, it's even a, a more perverse picture than that. So if you look at triple C bonds uh, and below uh, that rating, they've actually outperformed the market. Year to date, spreads for that uh, for that class of bonds is down like 100 basis points, whereas spreads for the entire high yield index are actually up about 15 basis points. So the junkiest bonds have actually done the best in this market. They're actually down in yield, whereas the better junk bonds have actually underperformed. Well, I promise you a word about uh, our sponsors and excellent citizens of the world are our sponsors. Away Travel is maker of suitcases. And uh, we got the uh, carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, and the large. That's for extended stays. So if you're going to visit your children in a distant city and you want to stay for like uh, three or four weeks, you take that large. Of course, you have to tell your kids you're coming for three or four weeks. At, well, uh, you can just make it a surprise. Yeah. So these all these suitcases are made from premium German polycarbonate, unrivaled in strength and impact resistance and very lightweight. And furthermore, it sounds good. Ah, yeah. That's United Airlines proof. It's the interior features a patent-pending compression system, helpful for overpackers, and the combination lock is approved by... Who? Who? The TSA. Nice. I think that guarantees accuracy. Uh, enter the top of the bag to prevent theft. Although, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just guessing, if you're a thief and you see there's a combination lock, you could take the suitcase and blast it open, right? Right, yeah. Just but get however, sort of however... Uh, this baby is not so easily blasted, just to judge by the sound. So lifetime warranty, anything breaks, we will fix it or replace it to you for, uh, uh, for you forever, for life. 100-day free trial, live with it, vibe with it, travel with it. Uh, if at any point you decide it's not for you, return it for a full refund, no questions asked. Free shipping on any away order within the lower 48 states. Now it says here, I've got a, it says personal experience required. I don't know, I, I don't have any personal experience. Well, I, you, I mean, you, you, you did just knock on it and it's very solid, yeah, that's a personal yeah, experience. Yeah, I, that I guess that'll do that. And uh, yeah, that, that takes care of the personal experience. So special offer to listeners of your show. I guess they mean our show, right, fellas? Yeah. This is the call to action. So everybody's, everybody, take this thing off chipmunk speed and listen. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash grantspod and use promotion code grantspod during checkout. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash grantspod and use uh, promo code grantspod during checkout. Bang says your exclamation point. All right, that's the call to action. Done. What is the comparison in the stock market to the outperformance of the lowest rated speculative grade debt? Well, I mean, right now in the stock market, we're seeing the Russell 2000 outperform the S&P 500. Uh, the Russell 2000 is, of course, composed of smaller companies, you know, who often are not as well financed as the 500 largest companies in the U.S. And a substantial portion of that index shows companies uh, uh, making losses, no? I believe so, yes. The, the other comparison you might uh, make is the, I wish I had it in front of me, but uh, a few weeks ago, Goldman published uh, research note about uh, the, uh, it's, you know, just insane outperformance of, of heavily shorted companies that we saw around the middle of June. Wish I had the data in front of me. I don't. Well, I mean, imagine yourself in the shoes of a short seller these days. You are up against not only a momentum-driven, ferocious, and to the participants in it, uh, a quite lovely bull market. Uh, you are up against the uh, the indiscriminate uh, fad or trend in indexation, indiscriminate with respect to valuation, indiscriminate with respect to securities analysis. That trend in index 
relaxation is uh, certainly a wind at the back of the largest and most successful components of the S&P. And a new thing, you are up against artificial intelligence. So um, I get this from a friend of mine who is on the receiving end of some of these uh, untender administrations to the short sellers. AI, you know, the, the software designed with AI protocols, scans a press release for optimistic words like uh, higher, record, greatest, etc. And it likes that, does the AI, and it buys that. And uh, we have, Evan, at Grant's Interest Rate Observer, I think we've encountered press releases that uh, seemingly are alive with these coded words. We did indeed. In a recent issue, we uh, looked at a engineering procurement and construction company who, the worse their cash flow got, the more numbers record appeared in the <laughs> uh, the press release. And you could actually chart that. The in record a, and, worse. And we kind of did chart that. Yes. But the... Uh, these AI-driven buying spurts keying in on sensitive words in the release um, have uh, introduced a yet new element of terror into the art of short selling at what may or may not be the culminating upsurge of a, of a great bull market. Where do we stand now with respect to uh, margin debt in the bull market? I think we are near records, no? I believe so, but I don't have the data in front of me. You do have some data in front of you, I think, with regard to Chinese margin debt. Yeah, Chinese margin debt's a, a special subcategory because it's often not the investors who are taking out the margin debt, but company founders and the companies themselves pledging shares. I think HNA is on some of this. HNA is some of this. We, we talked about a little bit about this in the uh, last podcast, but Bloomberg's reporting that there's over $240 billion worth of uh, margin lending largely to companies uh, that's outstanding. And um, I have a graph of the Shanghai Composite in front of me, and it is just going straight down. The People's Bank of China two weeks ago uh, basically told brokers, if you'd like to call in any of those margin loans, you have to call us first. So <laughs> the, the brokers are now kind of sitting on potential unrealized losses. They can't really sell them. And the companies are somewhat reliant on, on this financing. I mean, it's not the cheapest way to get money, but if you need to get money, this is one avenue. Well, we, we've seen, I, I think, the evidence of the, uh, the latent uh, desperation some of these troubled borrowers is the recourse that HNA has had to peer-to-peer -peer lending at interest rates of 7 to 11 percent, time when what's official Chinese uh, bank rate? Way low single digits. Are you hiring? And if you read the papers, everybody's hiring as well. They might. Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. So something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it, although prayer never hurt. Now, ZipRecruiter knew that there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. Not for your job, so don't nobody get insecure. It's to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. So uh, right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, F-R-E-E. -E. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash grant. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash grant. ZipRecruiter.com slash grant. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So, fellas, we got Italy, right? We got China. Yeah. We got junk bonds. Mm -hmm. And we got the Declaration of Independence. I guess that's a pretty uh, comprehensive view of the world, no? I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, okay. uh, this is a, a job What do you think, done. Eric? Yeah, Eric's nodding <laughs> his assent. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. This is Jim Grant on behalf of uh, Grant's Interest Rate Observer of the Air. Talk to you soon. 